You probably know this animal. And these two as well. Animals like these and the production of the food we eat have a huge impact on the climate. In a research paper from earlier this year, the European Commission calculated that the global food system with production, transportation, etc. is responsible for 30% of the world's greenhouse gas emissions. 30%! Meat production is by far the biggest offender, especially beef. And since meat demand is associated with higher incomes, meat consumption is expected to increase as more people achieve a higher standard of living. This underlines the urgent need to make a shift to a more sustainable diet. But how do we do that? Is eating more plant-based foods the only solution to the problem? Or do we also need to look at other areas of consumption, like food waste? And how far are we with research into future foods that are also healthy for our bodies, minds and the planet as well? All of this we'll discuss in today's episode. I'm Josefine Falkwarts and you're listening to the Nordic Talks podcast. Global food production is not sustainable at all, and it's mostly the the production of, of meat, milk, eggs, and uh, some of the farmed fish. This is Julius Christiansen. He's from Iceland and has a PhD in biology specializing in this field. I'm a co-founder and a pioneer of over 10 companies that uh, mostly are technology development companies uh, related to biosciences. I started out in, in salmon farming and then went into plant biotechnology. Julius is one of three participants in today's talk. As part of his work, he's done a lot of research on how we produce food. His conclusions are clear. We cannot continue as we are doing. We use 50% of all uh, land in the world where we can grow plants for making feed for animals that only provide us with 18% of, of the food. And this has caused uh, excessive use of land and uh, extinction of uh, thousands of, of species. And, and this goes on million species at risk now. Also, the, the, the extensive use of synthetic fertilizer, half of the food production uh, produced by it, and the phosphates are, come from mines that might be dried up within 100 years. And thirdly, the excessive global warming because of the animal protein production. 25 to 30 percent of the, of, of the greenhouse gas release comes from that. Julius's solution is simple. We should all cut down on our meat consumption and start eating a more plant-based diet. The biggest responsibility that we could take now would, would be to, to eat less of that, especially red meat. There is like 70,000 different veggies or edible vegetables that we could use. One of Julius's fellow panelists is Reda Andolin from Finland. 
I've been working 20 years in uh, in food industry and I have a PhD in, in food technology and I've been researching oats and oats is actually the, the thing that is really near to my heart. Like Julius, Reta has many years of experience producing and researching foods that are more sustainable than the ones we have today. Eight years ago, I founded my first startup. It was uh, called Golden Green and it was producing uh, like the first idea was to produce oat meat, but it was uh, it was called pulled oats. And this product, it's really created a hype in Finland. So after a year of founding our, my, our company, uh, 97% of people or Finnish people knew this product's name. Reta agrees with Julius that we need to drastically change what we eat and the way we produce our food. When I was a child, we ate like 50% less meat than now. And I was thinking that possibly it's possible to, to make the change. It shouldn't be impossible because it's so near that we, we were eating much more moderate amounts than now. So it should be possible. But as is usually the case with complex problems, this one also calls for different solutions. For example, carbon footprint has been in Finland like a, all my career, like 20 years already at least. And uh, it doesn't help if it's the only one. So there needs to be, as said, if we, have a, if we want to make a system change, there needs to be lots of different kind of actions to the same direction. And then something starts to happen if there are like a, many different kind of messages to the same direction. So that is the problem that if you have only one like technology that we think that, okay, so this is solving everything. Or then we have some products, this is solving everything. Or if you have a labeling. We must also focus our attention on minimizing global food waste. It's a huge source of greenhouse gas emissions and wasted natural resources, and therefore has an enormous environmental impact. Looking at the numbers, multiple reports and research papers state that one third of all food produced globally every year is lost or wasted, accounting for 1.3 billion tons. Just think one-third of all food wasted. Reducing food waste globally could therefore lead to a real cut in greenhouse gas emissions, as well as establishing food security and encouraging healthy food systems. According to our last panelist, this is a mission which has gained more and more attention in Japan. Food loss is really a big issue already in like this couple of years, and a lot of big companies are really seriously like working about it and it's always becoming on the tv news this is hidenori kondo just call me hide hide works with sustainability and is the director of the university of creativity in tokyo where today's talk takes place i started my career as a uh, making tv commercial at this ad agency and i've been like uh, for like 20 years and this 10 years um uh, I'm more focused on uh, culture making or sustainability. And then in, I joined uh, founding this place uh, in this three, four, four years ago and started from here, trying to like, combine with uh, many sorts of creativity with different fields and uh, trying to like, more uh, people making into action or making as a culture or making it as a lifestyle. Hide and his team have just published a book about urban farming in Tokyo. 
became a bestseller in uh, one day. So it was really good. And uh, I hope uh, that it's going to be the one chance to be, uh, change uh, Tokyo's lifestyle. Hide follows food trends in Japan closely. He's very happy to see that plant-based foods are slowly becoming more popular among the people of his country, who are normally quite conservative when it comes to food choices. Recent, like uh, one or two years, like fast food, like a hamburger chain, they started like a daizu meat or like a plant-based meat. So like fast food is like really close to consumer, like young ones. And uh, like vegan restaurants or those things are really not so popular yet. But still already happening, like some really cool vegan restaurants are starting up. So uh, like models or like uh, influencers are going to there, especially for women and like a yoga going person. So those people affect. So uh, I think in that way, like a better shift will happen like soon. And uh, in this ULC, we are uh, doing the project or the workshop about those plant-based or food loss and trying to do that. We are seeing similar developments in other countries and in a lot of places, new foods like plant-based burger patties and meatballs without meat are being introduced to customers, inspiring them to think more carefully about what they put on their plates and in their stomachs. And when developing new types of foods that customers have never tasted or even seen before, there's one thing that's more important than any other, says Julius from Iceland. The new food that we are making, uh, it simply must be better than, than the options that, that we have now. We should not fight the, the present food or, or present system, but make a better system that make, makes the other ones obsolete. So I think the, the most negative things that I've heard is, is actually from farmers. Uh, farmers that, that feel that m- maybe they, they might lose their business if, if some, some other, other meat or milk or whatever comes in. And uh, we, we should expect that. And for that, it's, it's very important to, to then tell about the, the new food that is coming and uh, uh, tell, tell uh, the, the truth about it, whatever it is. And the, the only ones that will succeed will be the ones that will be better on all accounts. Uh, better, they, they must taste as well, they must be as fresh, they must be as, as healthy at, at the same price or lower. And, and all that. these are the matters that count. And then it's, it's important to tell the, the, the public and the consumers the, the truth about it and help people in governmental bodies and, and politics to really support the best options. Reta from Finland agrees with Julius. If we are to change behavior, prices have to be competitive. In Finland or in, in northern countries, it's talked about, talk about lots of about price, if thinking about the new products. In Japan, price also plays a significant role. To get more Japanese people to switch to buying and eating plant-based foods, it needs to be affordable. Plant-based food is not yet coming in Japan so much. Mm-hmm. And the most uh, negative thing is about the price, I think. It's still very expensive. So that's a big impact. It has to be much cheaper, I think. Julius agrees, but insists that if you can convince consumers that the product is significantly better than the less sustainable choice, 
then they will also be willing to pay a bit more. If you can convince the consumers that a, a product or, or a set of products is simply better in, in, in the manner that, that they have evaluated, then you're no longer trying to push the product through the value chain, but you have, have a pull at, at the other end. And, and that, uh, I think, makes, makes very much a difference. And I, I think uh, the best way of doing it, maybe the only way, is that we simply have to develop better products. Uh, products that uh, the, the consumers or those who buy the food, which are mostly women, that, that they actually uh, value the products more than the, the present products that are, are there now. A way of lowering the cost of plant-based and new, more sustainable foods is to look at subsidies, like many governments already do with farming. Reda argues that we need to give more economic support to the production of healthy and sustainable products that are doing good for the planet and us, way more than we are doing today. Basically, we are now subsidizing a system that is producing environmental disaster and also health issues, so obesity and so on. So there is a big problem. But uh, how to change it? So I don't know if anyone has has answers because it's a huge system that has built, been built like in pieces for the whole Europe, for example. And of course, it's it's affecting the whole like in global markets as well. So that's something that should be changed, but I don't know who is the leader who will do that. Julius agrees that there should be more financial support for those developing new, healthy and more sustainable types of food. The governments need to support very well the development of, of new ways of making high-protein food and high-quality protein food. And it's through developmental financing. I, th I think that, that is most important for the time being. And uh, then, then after, after some years, we will know which, which new ways and which new products will, will be out there. We cannot solely rely on the development of new types of food and support from governments for more sustainable food production. We also have a responsibility ourselves regarding our own approach to food and to change our food habits. Hide argues that culture plays a significant role in this development. In his home country, Japan, the film industry has helped start a movement towards eating less meat. Before, like a movie star was eating like a good steak or something, and in the, all the movie was good eating good steak was they were like movie star celebrity, but uh, now only the who's eating steak it, and in the movies only like a gangsters or something. <laughs> but so like uh, in the in J Japan also like if you can change the like how is the, this is very luxury. If you change the luxury, people wants to become that. So if we eat like vegetarian or if we vegan, if that becomes a luxury. So for me, I'm using the art as a kind of changing luxury of the food taste or food lifestyle. So making really high end only for like 10 person something dinner, but then documented and make it as like a questioning the food system or questioning the life's new luxury of the food. So in that way, one, that's I think one of the way to changing the lifestyle icon to change the uh, new way of lifestyle. 
Through his work at the University of Creativity and before that in the advertising industry, Hide has experienced how the attitude towards food has changed in Japan and how it's become easier to advertise healthy and more sustainable food. Recently, he got a TV star to participate in a commercial for free because it was about sustainable food. If he asked her to get, come in the TV commercial, it's really a lot of money. But uh, she said it's okay. And I was surprised, like, there's no fee. And they, she came in. So in that way, like, uh, like even like a celebrity, if the right person, they want to do something good for uh, the future. So find those people and then just ask them. And then say, like, we have this amount of money. And then they will get us. That's how we are working with. Before that, we were, as a TV commercial or something, we are paying tons of money. And that's what we don't have now. So that's how we do. One of the things that have helped change people's eating habits in the Nordics has been the development of the Nordic Nutrition Recommendations. The recommendations have been published by the Nordic Council of Ministers on a regular basis for more than 40 years. They take into account the latest scientific evidence on food consumption and health. And because it steers national dietary guidelines, it has an effect on the menus served in schools, hospitals and other public sector kitchens in the Nordics. The newest edition was published in June, and for the first time they contain scientific recommendations not just for our health, but also for the environment. They advocate a more plant-based diet that contains more fish and less meat. Hide would like similar criteria in Japan. I think uh, for the food system also, they should work with like, really those like, new startups or, or like, big companies, food companies together and trying to find out those what new criteria, I think. And, uh, and also like Tokyo prefectures, like mayor there they was doing like last weekend also, they were doing like food event. But uh, for looking for me, it's still like kind of like, for, it's, it's hard to say, but it's a little bit old criteria. It's like a delicious food. Like Japan is famous for delicious food, but uh, they should add more about the environment issue. So uh, they should add that and then make the new criteria. And uh, I don't know exactly what to do, but uh, they should work with uh, those like really enthusiastic, real like uh, arts conscious uh, new companies, I think. There's actually already been some exchange of knowledge between the Nordics and Japan on this subject. This happened when the people behind the world-famous Danish restaurant Noma visited the Kyoto region last year to chip in with their knowledge about Nordic food and see if they could inspire the local population to eat differently. And even though it didn't result in recommendations like the ones we have in the Nordics, it was still a welcome initiative. They just recently, this year, they came to go went around Kyoto and uh, they start something with them. So like uh, Kyoto has a lot of traditions, but uh, like uh, their eyes is different from Kyoto's person. So that's one of the way. And uh, there's like other, not only in Kyoto, but uh, there's like so many like uh, rural food in Japan for traditional foods. And if like uh, uh, those eyes from a Norwegian chef or something, if it's it's totally it's different from Japan Japanese, so it's interesting. Like always, the difference is interesting. So that collaboration might be really interesting. The great thing about events and initiatives like this is that the Nordics can also learn something from Japan. 
I read a, reading about one book that there's a lot of robotics in Japan, and the robotics or those technology things also. So if they could, uh, those chefs' eyes or chefs' taste with the robotics in Japan or, or if combined, that would be interesting too. And it's vice versa. Japanese chef go to there, and so the, the collaboration I think is a huge possibility. Yeah. Julius agrees that closer cooperation will be beneficial and that although we are far ahead in the Nordics in this area, there's still much we can learn from other parts of the world, not least Japan. There's a lot of knowledge here. I guess there are companies here, both in plant-based meat and cell culture meat. And I, I, I know there are excellent companies in shellfish culture. And actually, Japan is a, a big seafood country. Um, Consumption of seafood has actually been going down in the last years and, and, and consumption of meat going up, but you can reverse that. And I, I believe that uh, the uh, phytoplankton in this area must be as rich as in, in other parts of the world. So there are huge possibilities there and, and possibilities in cooperation uh, in, in many ways and for the cell-based meat and plant-based meat as well as, as, well as others. Reta also sees a big potential for closer collaboration between the Nordics and Japan on developing the foods of tomorrow. Yeah, definitely I see that there are, are uh, possibilities. To, as my first company was, was when, I, when it was founded, I was traveling a lot of in China and now it, we have been really interested in what is happening here and how, how, it's like a, how it's traditionally fermented and how we could do it in different and modern way in, from our our own ingredients in northern, northern uh, or in Finland. <clears throat> but um, yes, I think there is lots of the fermentation is one of those most interesting things, and I think it will have a big role in future in many forms. And also how you, how you're using algae here, and we have our own, but we are not so good at it. And uh, also the sea, as said, like a seafood. It's of course something that we are really interested also in. But yes, definitely there is. And I think there is already thinking about Finnish oats. So that like a big amount of the oats is coming here. So what concrete steps can we take ourselves to change our behavior and contribute to a more sustainable development of the food sector? As Hide talked about earlier, each of us can start by reducing the amount of food we throw away. Here's Julius. In our private life, uh, to, to reduce food waste in, in, in our homes and eat less meat, especially red meat, that, that's the first thing. And then maybe not buy so much food that has been uh, flown in because flying is, is causes a lot of, of uh, uh, release of, of greenhouse gases. The transport by sea costs uh, 100 times less release of greenhouse gases than flying the same product. In addition to reducing food waste, Reda would also like to see more of a switch to a plant-based diet, both because it's healthy and because it's good for the planet. Yes, I think that we could all like... Uh, enjoy and explore more about veggies already because they do exist and we could like think that the diversity in our diet is good for us as well not only for the globe but also for us 
And also think that uh, what is like, do I really need this? So is this meat really something that I need or this protein? Or is like a less better, as you said. I, I really like the idea that like a minimalism is, is a new luxury. So, so what do we really need? Then we wouldn't, for example, buy like an excess amount of food to home. And then we are just throwing like 30% off. And yeah, just a little bit more thinking like another thing, mm. do I need this? And then also, I think that they're enjoying about all the colors and all the like flavors what the veggies has because or have because meat doesn't have so much flavor. That's a easy easy one. The switch to a more plant-based diet is something that Hide has done himself. I'm, in this three years, myself has been changing. Like I, I loved meat, and I still love like meat. But uh, I really uh, stopped eating a lot of meat and uh, eating like a miso soup and rice and kimchi and natto, which is like very much fermentation food, but very simple food. And uh, I, I made my lunch into that. And uh, that is really easy to make and really fast. It's a fast Japanese traditional fast food mm. and it's really healthy. So I'm doing that. So and uh, At first, I thought there's I need some uh, fried meat or something together with it, but uh, got used to it. I'm really okay with it, and I, my body became lighter and really healthier, better after that. And so that kind of lifestyle change, eating lifestyle change, mm -hmm. can easily change. And it all starts at home, in your own kitchen, in amongst the pots and pans. If you just learn a few recipes that contain more vegetables and less meat, then you're well on your way. In Finland, we have studied that people have uh, averaged like eight different recipes in their everyday life. So if we could just learn like three more, what could be vegetable based and then have again this eight, but just change from the childhood what we have learned, just like three of them, then we would be in a safe side already. It's undeniable that we have to carefully consider what we eat and how we can lower our massive food waste. The planet simply cannot keep up with the way we are producing and consuming food, especially for a growing population in the future. We need action on several levels. On a governmental level, it could come from supporting farmers who are helping drive change. At a corporate level, it could come from research into new foods. And on a consumer level, we have a responsibility to be open to the products that farmers are producing and researchers are creating. The Nordic nutrition recommendations can be used as an inspiration for people living in the Nordics and the rest of the world to change their diet. These recommendations can, for example, be used as guidance in institutions such as schools or nursing homes to spark an interest in diets with more vegetables and less meats. It's then up to us as consumers to take these habits with us home and, for example, introduce new dishes into our everyday lives. What I've started doing is something as simple as replacing the meat or at least half of the meat with lentils when I'm making spaghetti bolognese, which my kids love. It's not something that will save the world, but it's a start. I'm Josefine Falkwarts. Thank you for listening to the Nordic Talks podcast. Do you want to organize your own Nordic Talks event? 
then check out nordictalks.com slash producer. I'm Josefine Falkwarz. Thanks for listening. Bye.